welcome to Matt Chat, where each week I invite an Empire LARPer to come on the channel and talk to me, Matt Pennington, about some aspect of Empire or live role-playing that we're both interested in. Today I'm going to be talking to Pell, and I'll let Pell introduce himself and explain what he wants to talk about. Hello, I'm Pell. I play Sir Ansel Watcher at Empire, and today we're going to talk about the slightly kind of villainous side of Empire and not necessarily playing the good guy. And what appeals to you about that topic, pal? Um, I think, I mean, one, it's, uh, for me, it's fun. I mean, you know, you have fun. and But I think the, the main thing is, is that Empire is set up so that you can do that. You, you know, it has, a, it has a working legal system. Um, it has many, you know, as, as a PvP game, it has ways of not necessarily playing the all-get-along game, but without going out and killing characters, which... As, is a bit dull as a sort of first uh, first resort. So there's plenty of ways that you can play the game um, as a bit of a villain, so to speak, um, within the setting, and which is supported by the setting as well, which is really cool. Yeah, I think, I mean, cards on the table, I love playing the villain in live role-playing games. That is my go-to. So, uh, But I think for all of us when we were creating the game, we were very clear that, that we needed to make a really firm space for that, that that kind of not just straight up PvP politics, but all the different ways that you can be the villain in the scene. We wanted to, the credible ways that you can be the villain in the scene, we wanted to try and keep that in the game. Yeah, and I, I think that definitely comes across, you know, and I think it's not it's not about necessarily being like some crazy monster who goes out stealing from everyone or anything like that you can just be i'm gonna use a really obvious example like a little finger kind of character you know someone who is a plot driving character uh, and engages with the plot but is clearly not playing on the same side as everyone else but you know you don't want to burn the empire down because you live there you just want to make sure that it's it's the best for you and not necessarily the people around you I think that's probably the starting point from my perspective on villains because i think that and Again, I'm, I'm just going to go straight in with my opinions here. I think there's two kinds of villains in LARP. There are the classic one-dimensional stereotype villain, which is, I'm evil. Why are you evil? Well, because that's what it says on the tin. What do you do? I do evil things. There's not really a lot of room for that in the game. It doesn't make a lot of sense. The game isn't set up to support it, and it's not. And traditionally, actually, in live role-playing games, most of the time, that person is an NPC. They are, I'm the muhaha bad guy. I'm going to do bad things because I'm the bad guy. You know, that's not the kind of villain I think either of us are very interested in, and it's not the kind of villain the game supports. But that concept that you like the Empire, you want the Empire around, but what you're really out for is yourself, or you've got very much you've got your own agenda that isn't the same agenda as everybody else, is the kind of villain that, that I think we're talking about here. Yeah, and, and I think uh, a kind of a slightly higher level than the you know personal character, the... The briefs all support that. I mean, obviously playing in Dawn, it's very much about, you th You know, we think we're the best, we're the most glorious. doesn't say how you be glorious, you just go and be do glorious things. And I think all the briefs have an element of, we are the best. We are the best and here is why. And that just kind of trickles down into the characters who are, I am the best knight wizard or best knight or whatever. And I think often that can, that's certainly been the game I've played. You go, right, I want to be the best at doing X or I want to get Y. How do I do it within my brief? Uh, with still being a bit of a, a, a bad guy about it. The, the, the key thing for me is that when you analyse a, a credible villain's kind of actions, they should absolutely make sense. You know, you should be able to coherently understand why have they done those things. 
with an explanation that is not because they're the bad guy. <laughs> you know, if your motivation is to do bad things because you're the bad guy, then that's that I think is is, is what we're not talking about. But as you say, the whole every nation has has a direction that that the, the, the brief is sort of gently pushing you to go in. And that direction is not intrinsically the, the direction the empire would go in, given a, a free choice, I think. Yeah, no, I, I I totally agree. I I I think the kind of mantra I've tried to stick to is, you know, we're not as you said, we're not against the empire because we live here. Why would I want to burn my house down? But you know, I want to show that I want. You know, I don't particularly care about, for example, Urizen. You know, uh, you know, they're they're anathema to what my character likes and enjoys. So I don't really care if they get their heads kicked in. And if I can get stuff out of that, then maybe I will. And that's a really not necessarily in game sort of opinion but you know something like that and i think that goes across the game league and the high guard thing was a perfect example uh the shattering mirrors in sarvos such a cool piece of plot really really cool but clearly not a let's all get along and be one empire that was very that's high guard then well we we want to get us we want to get ourselves but you know we want to get our stuff so sorry about your mirrors mate they're just mirrors which obviously to the league is not just mirrors. There's such a huge piece of the game. And they're the really, like playing on those things is really cool. I mean, you know, we did a similar thing when, uh, this is clearly public knowledge, when we shrouded the Empire. Obviously the Urizen were upset because their Hearth magic revolves around stars and constellations and stuff. Uh, and and so there was a big kickoff there. And we were like, well, that's your problem. If you, you know, if you're such good wizards, break it. <laughs> which, which, which they did. And that's really cool as well. You know, the, the, having that, the playoff against each other is is for me really really enjoyable yeah i think you hit the nail on the head there with with that that issue about the playoff that that's the joy of being the villain is actually to provoke everyone around you to one up you it's not necessarily about winning it's sometimes particularly as the villain i think losing is more fun than winning but but you want to lose in a way that that drives all of your enemies to utter a sort of frustration and outrage and burning anger. You, you want you want them to triumph by striving. Yeah, and I think if you like, what I really enjoy is if I can get them to uh, sort of like outwit me or beat me by being their character by like playing to their brief harder. Um, uh, that I find really enjoyable. You know, like the Urizen thing was a really good example. There was something, again, with a character recently where we'd stitched them over royally in character quite a lot. And then they used, they had to, I think it was uh, Wintermark Curse Coins. You can cure them with like a blood of your enemy. I think it's like wash them in the blood of your enemy or something. Yep. Um, and he'd convinced me to give him some because he basically just lied, just outsmarted me basically. So he got rid of his curse on himself for this coin. And I found out after, like, that is so cool. You know, you've outwitted this villainous character using your own kind of suak uh style you know that, that was that was really cool yeah but yeah being beaten by um people playing to brief and 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 just i'm not just being clever than you which is great as well uh, that that's that's enjoyable it's really satisfying to see yeah absolutely i think that's those moments really stand out and i think we should be honest you know from my perspective um in a game that is very pvp i think you absolutely need those characters we don't have a grand npc who's going to turn up and cause trouble for all the players we're obviously throwing troubles minor troubles at the players all the time but we're trying for our characters that our npcs not to be the the main points of the story and so you you really the narrative and the, the the game absolutely depends on people stepping up to the plate and filling those roles. I think. 
Yeah, and, and I think there's there's enough out there. Um, I mean, certainly from what I see, you know, you, you certainly see some some big things happening in the game that are clearly not, you know, good. For example, like, you know, like the Druze turning up to help because our halogen had, had told them to because of negotiations by characters. Great. You know, everyone knows the Druze are the typical proper over the top bad guy. Fine. Yes. And that and that's cool. They've totally got that place in the setting by being willing to get people to by being willing to like not ally with them as such, but sort of ally with them. That's so cool because people are like, what are you doing? What are you doing? But, you know, the outcomes from there. And, uh, that, yeah, that's quite a good example. I'm trying to think of some other stuff as well. I get, I mean, the high guard stuff, obviously. I think everyone has that, uh, the opportunity for it in the game. And I think, I don't know if it's because of the game that I'm playing, which obviously does revolve a little bit around, or quite a lot around that kind of area. But I'm seeing more people being willing to go, you know what? I'm doing this for me. I'm, I'm doing this thing. I don't care if you don't like it. There's a clemency play, you know, that that sort of thing exists. And I think that's really cool. Yes. It's interesting as well because, you know, we're putting the label villains on them. But in a sense, I think we're talking about characters. I have a concept in LARP about Sesame Street. These characters are doing anything Jim Henson would not approve of. That they're not they're not playing in a let's all be on the same side and let's all share everything out equal and let's all be friends and let's all support each other. Any time that you come in with an agenda that doesn't acknowledge and respect we're all going to play nicely together, in a sense, you're going to be someone's villain. Yeah, and I, I, I totally agree. And, you know, Jim Henson, I immediately went to the Skeksis, you know, you little groups of bad guys who live in the same world, but just want to have all the stuff for themselves. Yes. Um, but yeah, totally. That's, that's, that's exactly what it is. I, I think one thing, I think people sometimes when you do, when you aren't playing the mutual game as such, you know, they all get along kind of thing. I think people think you're just doing it just to be contrary or just to be against the game. And it, it's not that I don't think, you know, I think like you see, you can be a part of the story that, pd can't necessarily provide you know like you said you haven't got all those npcs to do it so having that person who's turning up and doing it all the time or, or a majority of the time i think just makes it um makes it quite a bit easier i'm trying to remember what the group was called now but there was a high guard group fairly early on in the game and think about year two or three vashti's penitence that was who i was reminding and they turned up with a clear agenda absolutely in line with the high guard brief that you know eternals and heralds were were this bad force that humanity should i don't know what their their in character narrative was but broadly eternal's bad herald's bad these people none of these creatures are protected by the law so we're going to kill them all on sight the conflict that that produces because it's not in alignment with everyone else's agenda is just amazing and they they caused an incredible splash in the game in an incredibly short space of time just because they turned up with that kind of conflict driven agenda basically that's that's really cool yeah but the point is in their own minds i've no doubt at all that they were absolutely the good guys yeah of course i don't know how much you want to mention current things going on as well you know like stuff with the sword scholars perhaps who are very much out for their own agenda i think so anyway and they're making massive ripples through the game but playing utterly to that brief this is what we believe that we're going to go so that that sort of thing i think is I, I like seeing it i really enjoy seeing it even if it screws my game a little bit like in character screws my game yeah great you're making more you're giving me free role play yeah absolutely as, as you say i think the challenge comes when people get the impression that you're doing it to be contrary or even and this drives me up the wall i, I frequently see people think that if you're not playing the game in an icy mutual way that is 
that's you know not part of the game design or that's not what the game should be about and it doesn't seem to matter what we as profound decisions say we'll go on and on about this is a game of pvp politics it's a game of the players being the heroes and villains of the piece it's not you know that's that is absolutely the focus of the game i would say do you think that comes from most role play games be it larp or tabletop from you are a party yeah. you know you're the party of adventurers that go out and if one person in the party starts stealing for everyone and you know they're not getting healed basically i think it probably comes from that and you know most larps you know certainly i play other larps where it is the factions against the bad guys and it is very much that is the set and i think obviously that carries over i think into empire the natural setting is we all have to be on the same page doing the same things making sure that if Nation X does 10 points, we have to do 15 points so that we make up our 25 points to beat the bad guy. That isn't part of Empire. Or, you know, obviously it is to a point, it is to a, a certain areas. Just encouraging people that it's not the only way to play the game, I think is cool. And I, I, I certainly try to. Yeah, I think it's interesting to try and get to, I think you're right that the history of tabletop role-playing where absolutely you are a group round a table and if you don't all absolutely cling together and fight together you're going down the adventuring party you know if the dm is expecting them to all be fighting together and they're fighting amongst each other they're probably not going to live very long just because of the way everything's been balanced and set up so i think we've got everyone who's coming into the hobby from that line has had that that 20 year background of we're all on the same side here it's not really appropriate to have your own highly antagonistic agendas and then couple that with the way a lot of fest larp has worked for a very long time where it is absolutely i mean i said for years even and we've been trying to run games like this for years that the fundamental distinction for many people who participate in a fest larp game is not orcs or humans or x or y the fundamental distinction for many people is pcs and npcs you can sort of rely that the pcs will be around next week and the week after and the event after that and you can pretty much rely that the pcs are going to side with you and the npcs are probably going to be the adversaries and they're probably not going to side with you so our hobby has a long history of being pcs versus npcs and again in that scenario you've all got to kind of cling together and oppose them and and people will compete for like more access to the plot they might take the plot and squirrel it away and be like oh our group's got the plot you, you see relatively little in those environments of people very proactively pushing their own agendas, which clearly are not for the benefit of all. And then I think that third factor is just society. I, I remember read somewhere once that in ancient Rome, there was a huge distrust of anyone who claimed to be running for the Senate on the basis of the public good. Anyone who said, no, I'm just doing this out of the goodness of their heart was considered to be a liar and a cheat and, and very morally dubious. But people who said, yeah, yeah, I'm, I want to be elected because I'm going to, you know, obviously part of that, I'm going to line my own pockets. And they understood that people were imperfect. They understood that people were corrupt. And their concept was that you manage the corruption and, and you get a positive result by putting lots of corrupt people to compete against each other. Whereas the modern vision of society is that people are perfect and everyone's got a shared, you know, it's the Henson, we can all live in a happy little nirvana where we all get on and we all share everything. And it's a few bad apples that are bringing it down for everybody, yet who somehow managed to be all our elected political class, all our prominent business class. And, and maybe that's always been with us, but but it's it's very prominent at the moment, that belief that, that somehow everybody should be perfect and we should all be disappointed when they're not. 
go back to the, the thing you just said about the, the running for Senate thing. I think that goes on something I've, I've found really interesting at Empire. It's sort of a little bit part of the source, maybe the social contract or the setting. If you go into the game, or if you see people coming to the game and that they're like they're playing a big heroic night and they're speaking on the Senate floor and these heroic speeches, etc., and they turn out to be a bad guy, they turn out to, you know, they betray someone, they turn out to be secretly a, a Wendigo cult, whatever. People are really, they, they will react harshly towards that possibly because of the betrayal or because they were outwitted or whatever. If you go into the game and you say, yeah, we're playing Disney villains, you know, we are we are playing villainous characters and we are very upfront about that. People kind of give you a bit more leeway because I think they want to see you in the story. Right. Which is not only leeway is the right thing. You know, if you do something wrong, they still do something wrong. But when you do stuff, it's very much like, Oh well, that well, that's what they do. They never, you know, they never pretended to be nice. That's just what they do. And I think that I think adds the storyteller element to being a, a kind of promoter or something to to being a villainous character. If people know what they're getting, they kind of know how to react. You know, when the Disney villain turns up in a film, you don't not want to see him in the film. You go otherwise, there's no story. Yes, but you're not surprised when when they turn out to turn someone into a frog. You know, well that well that's what they do. <laughs> that's really interesting. So effectively, this touches back to something we talked about in an earlier podcast. It- it's the brazenness of the brass coast. If you're upfront about the fact that you're not the nicest person on the planet, people have less of an issue with it than if you're basically passing yourself off as a glorious, uh, honourable knight and actually lining your own pocket. Yeah, that is absolutely, I, I, you know, I can 100% say that has been the experience of us. And I think probably most of our group as well, you know, by going in and not pretending to be the shiny heroes in, in white, it's made our game... Uh, more playable in that people don't go and kill them, get rid of them, which is obviously dull for everyone. Yes. Uh, and But, you know, when you see people doing that, there are some some other characters in the game who are very much like, well, this is what I'm doing because this is who I am. You know, stop me if, if you can, but what are you going to do about it? People kind of want to keep them around a little bit more, and that's fun. Oh, that's really nice. That is good. I, I just think these things are fascinating. To, just looking back again to real life for a minute, I was just thinking about the, do you remember the expenses scandal in Parliament? Claiming for ponds and stuff like that. Claiming for ponds, everyone was outraged. Fine, they're all outraged. What genuinely frustrated me was people were shocked. Yeah. To me, who spent 20 years running live role-playing games, the fact that you would expect to scrape back the surface and find everyone underneath was some kind of saint in this situation is extraordinary. And I think it's the deception that really rankled. That's what really irked people. And I think it wasn't the amount of money, because actually, and and Stephen Fry made this point, that the amount of money being stolen was utterly, utterly, utterly trivial. These are the people running the country. They've effectively got access to billions, and they're stealing thousands. The scale of the losses are trivial, but it's the deceit. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. If you feel like you've been lied to, you will react much more harshly than if you just feel a bit disappointed. Interesting. Almost the ultimate sin, then, for a villain. Yeah. Or for any character. There's a character now specifically to guard against that in the Senate. There's a, a centaurial position, I think. So what you want to do is have that, you want to have that character as the expense scandal villain. That's, that's the dream. That's the dream, I think. <laughs> yes, absolutely. I really hope that player is getting some game because I really, really hope 
loads of senators are massively on the take of lining their pockets and that there's a load of game for that player to find those senators and bust them. Or, if not, that they've got a brilliant plan to bring down their political rivals by framing them for having stolen a load of money that they didn't. Either outcome I'm I'm very happy with. Yep, both of those will work fantastically. I would like to see that in the game. That makes Stuff that makes a story without getting rid of a character, that is the drive, I think, always. We're touching on something here, which I think is kind of interesting in the, the ball of, of Empire as our latest iteration as a game. If you look back to previously when we ran Maelstrom, we really hadn't refined our concepts of what it meant to be a villain in a game. And we fell back on some pretty simple tropes as well. These people are trying to kill each other, which obviously makes some odd questions about why they're all turning up in a field. And actually what happened towards the end of the game, particularly when we announced that the game was coming to an end, was a lot of the social contracts about, well, let's not just all kill each other because that would be naff, started to break down. And people were just like, well, let's just off these people because we've never really liked them anyway. (laughs) The game really suffered. It really suffered as a result. I think a lot of people found that development really lessened the game. And it's almost as if taking someone's character out damages their ability to enjoy the story sort of sensible people can see that that has an out-of-character consequence. We're actually screwing over your character in character. If you're playing Empire in the way it's meant to be played, I think, should be seen as a positive because, effectively, I've given you some game. Yeah, I, I think that's absolutely right. I think, as well, there's, there's ways of punishing people in game for doing for doing things that are wrong that aren't just getting rid of your character. And that, you know, that adds to it. You know, like you, you have, as I said earlier, you've got the working legal system, which is cool. You've got, you know, curses. You've got stuff like freezing brand of Irimaeus, things like that. There's things that you can do in-game, declare people sorcerers, whatever, that affect their game, but you haven't killed them. You haven't taken them out of the story. And arguably, you've created more story because they might be like, well, this person got to be cursed. Well, yeah, but you got punished. It's because you've been punished. Well, I don't care. I shouldn't have been punished. I'm going to get them. You know, it makes uh, yep. that that continuous growth, growth of uh, ongoing a story i think is a big part of empire yes it's certainly part of what we wanted to see do you think you see enough of it in a game is it is would you like to see more <laughs> that is exactly the question i was going to ask <clears throat> slightly differently phrased but but i don't know how many people are coming to empire with a clear sense of actually this game will be more fun if i play at 90 degrees to what everybody else wants. If I play with an agenda that's a character agenda that I know has been deliberately designed to bring me into conflict with other people. There are players I know who do it without a shadow of a doubt. And there are players I see, like you talked about, the the players who allied with the Druze and got the Druze to come and fight. Those, I don't think they turned up to the game thinking we will definitely play the villain and we will play just for our own agenda. I think they got seduced into it over time, but I I don't think that matters. There's some people I think who, who got seduced into it. There are some players, you know, I look at the way your group plays. I look at the way people like the people who played Vashti's Penitence play. And I just think that's how I would play Empire. I would turn up knowing that I will have fun and my and the people I'm role-playing will have fun if I play that way. But I don't know how many people there are. I think some of that uh, maybe comes from having, like, an, one, an understanding of the setting. You know, if you, you come to Empire, you, you've just read about the setting, then you are going to read that it's an all-get-along game, I think. You know, because all the all the yep. battle reports are the Empire smashing the Druze, etc., things like that. Um, so I think if you come in, you're either going to look at that and go, right, well, I'm either going to be on their side or I'm going to be against them, which is 
you know, that's when you're going to get the people that are turn up and are going to be the murderers, or they are just going to try and burn the world down yeah. because they they don't quite get the nuances of the game. And you know, and I think bringing a few new people into the game as well, it's it, there's so much there that you have to. I, I think you have to have a bit of an understanding about how the game works and the nuances of it before you can go. Oh, okay. Well, I can I can play slightly at an angle here, but still within the the setting of the world, and it's going to work. I also think uh, potentially part of it is understanding LARP as, as a wider concept. I mean, most of our group have all been staff and crew at, at other games, mm. you know, or have all been like command team members for other games as well. So you kind of have that you've seen behind the curtain thing. You kind of want to push the story forwards always as well. And you've got to got that. Is this going to be fun for players? Is this going to be fun for players? Even though you are a player, yeah. And I think you know, even that's that's not always the conscious fault. I mean, don't get me wrong. I very rarely go into a PvP situation and think, is that other person going to have as much fun as I am? As long as they have some fun, cool. But I think that always sits at the at the back of your mind. It's like, is this going to add to story? Is it going to be fun for people that are playing? And that you know, maybe you don't have that as a direct. Uh, you maybe you don't just have that experience. People sometimes or not quite sure how to approach that side of the game. So I think that's part of it, I think. Yeah, I mean, I wouldn't disagree. I think our Scandinavian friends call it playing to lift, where you are okay. thinking about what you're going to do and how it will impact the enjoyment of others. Years ago, I used to talk about Fest LRP and say, look, imagine you're turning up in a field and there's a 1,000 NPCs and you're the only PC. Whereas now I say, imagine you're turning up in a field and there's a thousand PCs and you're the only NPC. Yeah, that's your job is to entertain a thousand people through your terrible, terrible antics that you get up to. And, and my point is that if you've set out with, you know, that you're going to do things that are going to cause lots of people to have great role play, you're probably going to have a blast. You're going to have all. I, I can't think of a better way to enjoy LARP. Than to be planning to do things that will cause people who role play with you to have a good time. Yeah, I think, yeah, we, we, we certainly had that. I mean, just using a couple of examples that we've actually had, you know, obviously going back to when we did the Shroud across the Empire, you know, it gave people, you know, one, finding out what was happening, you know, obviously why we did it. And there's people and the punishing afterwards and the kind of well, the grandstand in, in Conclave. It, there was loads of stuff going around it. It wasn't just four of us in green going and doing our evil rituals over a map for five minutes a night. You know, it was, there was more stuff around it. Certainly there was players, uh, you know, the like, guy who plays Gregor, the, the Shard Lantern Grandmaster. There was a load of stuff we had around that there and with their group as well. Um, Circle of Tash, I think. There was loads of role play around with that. That was cool. You know, it was other, it, it, getting other groups involved was is really good fun. Yeah. And stuff as well, like, we gave uh, the, the vigilance assembly gave a penitence to character, but rather than just you've been bad, go and do something. It was a, a narrative behind it, so it was like going and slaying the lawn, and we did it like a quest, obviously because I'm Dornish. And there was loads of role play about that. You know, the Wintermark going, well, "How dare you set us a quest? You know, we're not Dornish." I'm like, well, we are, so shut up. <laughs> but there was role play around that, and the character who's done it, you know, he's had to go out and do all this stuff in game, as like in uptime and in downtime. And there's been role play all around it, and you know, it's okay. Here's your punishment, but here's the great big cake you get to eat while you're doing it. And I think that's 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 the way of looking at. It, I think. Yeah, absolutely. And that sense, as you say, almost everywhere you go and everywhere you interact with, that it's creating game and, and interactions. And yeah, it isn't to everyone's IC advantage, but hopefully it's to most people's OOC advantage that these things are going on. Go back to the question then. Are, are there enough players doing that in the game? Would Or I think a better way to describe it is, would it would Empire be a better game if there were more players doing it? Um, I, th I think it would... 
uh, yeah, I think it, obviously the scale is what's important here. You know, if everyone is going to making deals with the Druze, then suddenly it becomes a thing that happens and people just go, oh, whatever. Yes. So I, I think having key things like that happening it is really cool and drive story. Now, obviously, the game's massive now and, you know, it's grown so much. And you obviously have a much better that are going on than I do as, as a player. But, you know, you see things like the Druzhna Halogen stuff, great. The, the meeting place stone getting destroyed. Uh, the Wintermark meeting place stone getting destroyed, and the stuff that came around that as well. Yeah, this uh, the the high guard mirrors and stuff. There seems to be a lot of stuff out there. I think maybe there is the right amount, to be honest. Okay. Yeah, I I, I, okay. I, I think if you see too much, it it loses its impact. Yeah. You know because it waters it down. But I, 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 that's not to say that people shouldn't try and do stuff that might get them in trouble. You know because the game doesn't need it anymore. But I, I, it does appear there's enough cool things happen that are dodgy that you go. Oh no! That's, oh geez! Wow, that's that's really bad, but also really cool. Um, yeah. So yeah, I, I think I think potentially there might be an okay amount. Yeah, I mean, at the end of the day, not everyone can turn up to the game with a box of matches, because if everything's on fire, it will all burn <laughs> down very quickly. Exactly. Yeah, that's not a fun game. What can we do to encourage it? Because I mean, I was thinking, uh, like, I think it was like last year or a year or two years ago, I wrote an article for one of the LARP blog sites, you know, eulogizing the villainous character in LARP. I did it with reference to Game of Thrones and Jon Snow and talking about, you know, be a bastard in LARP. Just don't be a bastard like Jon Snow because he is the most boring character that show ever had, in my opinion illegitimacy is is not cool uh, i think cool. illegitimate social aims that's cool yeah it, like that it's the equivalent of the i've got my father's sword backstory isn't it you know it's just dull you know it's that kind of thing. i think more to encourage it i think is seeing the benefits or the outcomes of doing those things yep and I think it, they are visible. I mean, and and some of them maybe can't can't ever be visible because the characters, you know, they're playing, they're doing stuff in secret. Yeah. But I think the big things, seeing the benefits of those, and those being a bit more uh, in character, ideally. But you know, I know you you do stuff like the um, Winds of War, Winds of Fortune stuff. The outcomes of people doing things that aren't necessarily mutual, yeah. being seen to have as much as an effect or a similar effect to the things that are. Let's all get along. I think that will encourage the, the different side of the game. Right. Yeah, that makes sense. I think where it falls down is when people do something and then their character gets arrested by the magistrates and they get executed. And people go, well, why would I do that? I don't want my character to get executed. Yeah. I think that's where it falls down. I know that's a very, very basic kind of look at it, but finding that, that, that middle ground, I think, you know, and if, you know, and if you're going and doing things which are in game serious crimes, like, treason or subvert the agency of the state or all the other ones that i've got out of <laughs> the, yeah, the you know you have to go with that mindset of i might lose my character because of this yeah but if i think a little bit of massaging around the edges a bit but then you do get you know i, I sometimes get people come and speak to me in character now like um i kind of want to do this thing and i'm not quite sure how to do it and it's definitely illegal should i do it <laughs> but there's enough there's enough stuff in game to encourage it in game so you know like the, the virtues the virtues are very clearly game drivers of we don't all have to get along yeah i think that's that's by design and i, I don't think you hide that so there's always something you can say it's like oh well you know i i need to go and do this this and this but it's illegal what should i do find a virtue and go well here's your virtues your virtues aren't you and they go oh yeah of course let's go and do it then <laughs> and, then, and then say this afterwards so there, there's ways around it and, and when people ask you stuff like that in character and, you, and you've got a backup from the game 
you know, from the game design to go, well, I can give you genuine in-character advice. It's all legit. You know, go and see your clemency priest afterwards. Here's my card. That kind of thing. Yeah, I think you've hit a couple of really important uh, notes there that I think are, are useful. One is, the key one that you've said in a way, is that people want a degree of validation. And I used to think that players wanting validation was the worst thing on earth. And, and I've really changed my views on that. I think players, many, many, many people who attend LLRP game want to know that the organisers are happy with the way they're playing the game. They just do. There are some who want to think the organisers are unhappy with the way they're playing the game. And that, that's a fraction of our hobby. But the majority want to be confident that the thing they're going to do is is okay out of character that that this is cool that you know and you see it a lot where people go are we allowed to do this and it's often unspoken in our hobby but but what they're looking for is the organizers to go yes yes you can do that that's fine pd supports that you can actually by pointing to places in the game and going look this thing here clearly says you should do this thing is kind of the, a sign like setting approves pd approves that what you're doing is within the social contract of the game. You know, you're not wrecking the game by doing this. You're, you're doing something bad, but you're only bad in character. It's not bad out of character. And I think when people are risking social disapproval, which is actually really at the heart of being the villain, you know, there's a nervousness about the incoming IC social disapproval because people will be in your face about the bad IC things you're doing. But that's coupled with a, an out-of-character nervousness. And I think it's, you know, we need to, as PD, need to do everything we can to try and dispel that out-of-character nervousness. Yeah, I, th I think that's fair. You know, as it all goes back to you don't want to lose your character really thing because you've spent money on your character, you know, real-life money on them. And then having that support behind it. I mean, going back to the virtues, perhaps it's a, a thing of PD being a bit more clear about vigilance is this. Here are some things you could do in the name of vigilance, dot, dot, dot. You know, some rough example. But I know that um, the Loyalty Assembly, for example, I think have led the way in that a little bit in character. In that recently the Loyalty Assembly said, doesn't matter who or what you're loyal to, as long as you're loyal, that's virtuous. That opens up such massive stuff in the game. Yeah, you know that opens up such a cool side of the game, and a really extreme example. You might have a character who's loyal to the Yotun or something like that, or you know, loyal to uh, something out, you know, to an Eternal or something, because that Eternal helped them. Whatever the loyalty assembly in game have basically said, yeah, that's cool. So you've now got all this in character backup to go. Well, look, the loyalty assembly said it's fine. What I meant to do, not listen to the synod. Yeah. So you know, you've got that. Th these things are developing in game. You we do spot them here and there. Like I said, maybe I've got more of an eye for it because I'm kind of looking out for it. Yep. But I, I do think it's growing in the game and, and that validation is is coming. I think people have got comfortable. I think the people who've been playing it for a long time are now comfortable with the nuances of the game to go, well, let's let's try this. Oh, it worked. And cool. Mm. But, you know. I think it's interesting that, yeah, I would agree with you that how some of those nuances are coming out over time. To pick a different virtue, prosperity is an obvious one to me, where I think it's really clear in prosperity that a core part of that virtue is for you to say, this is mine and you can't have it. I don't care what you want it for. I don't care if it's the good of the empire. I don't care if it's the good of the nation. This is mine and I'm not giving it to you. But I think a lot of times people want prosperity to be about saying, well, it says you're supposed to spend your stuff, so you should hand it all over for the good of the empire. And, you know, what they're really trying to do is, is twist that virtue into a kind of mutual, let's all support each other and ignore the element of that virtue, which has clearly been written to have a very strong 
unmutual element. I think on the same thing with prosperity as well is that getting paid for your work. Yep. You know, and if you're a healer, that work, you know, and I really love the, I think it might be a specific brass coast thing that come up actually of healers who, who go, well, look, this is my job. If you want to get healed, pay me. You know, I'm sure someone who's dying on the ground will be able to find a few crowns if they, if they, can, if they really want to be alive. And that's prosperity as well. You know, you go, well, you, you reward my hard work. It took me years of training to get to this point. You know, you're a soldier. Yeah. Thanks very much. That side of it as well. Obviously, people are going to be annoyed about you because they go, well, you're a healer. You're meant to heal people. Yeah, yes. cool. I am. But also, I need to feed my family and I need a house to live in, preferably a big, nice house. Uh, yeah, so hand it over. Yeah, so cough up or, or stop coughing. Oh, yeah, there's a neat touch in the Brass Coast brief where it basically argues, you know, they will always charge you. It might be as little as a single ring. Always, always, always charge. And really, you know, charging someone a ring is meaningless in Empire because a ring is a tiny, even for the the poorest character, it's a pretty tiny amount of money. But what it's trying to do desperately is to break the back of free. Once you've got someone charging one ring to heal people, it's a small stretch from there to get them to charge a crown. You know, going from free to one ring is a huge leap. One ring to a crown is, well, yeah. I was going to charge him anyway. I might as well charge him a fair price. I, th- I think it's, you know, it's about having interactions that would seem perhaps petty or unrealistic in real life. Yep. So if some, you know, if, if someone said, oh, can I have a, you know, a cup of tea? Yeah, loads of tea. How much is it? 1p. Oh, well, why don't you give it to me for free? No, it's 1p. That's how much it costs. You know, it's having that kind of, and people go, well, that's that's just really petty. It's like, well, that's what it costs, mate. Give me a penny. Yeah. You know, having those interactions that just would feel out of place in real life, uh, where we'd just get someone's back up a little bit. I'd won a recent thing that someone someone needed a priest to insight someone. Like, oh, can, can you can you can insight, can't you? Yeah, I can insight. Oh, okay. Can you insight this person for me? Yeah, of course, no problem. I'll pay you. Oh, yeah, of course, no problem. Gave me the money, insighted them. He goes, oh, what what did it say? I was like, well, you didn't ask me to do that. You just wanted me to insight. <laughs> Which, which I've done. If you want to know what it said, that's more. So, oh, that's not what we agreed. I was like, it, 100% is what we agreed. That, that's exactly what you want. You're from the brass coast. You, you know, you want to stick to your word, right? It was just a nice little interaction with someone like, you know, I, I do know about a character. It was fun. You know, it was, a, it was a funny little thing, but it was just a character doing something that's just unreasonable. Entirely yes. unreasonable in real life, but isn't against the game setting, doesn't hurt anyone in game, doesn't get rid of any characters, and ideally makes someone just think a bit less of you in character, which is great. <laughs> I think we're probably coming close to the end now. I think yeah. one thing we should be honest about is it, this kind of role plays isn't for everyone. I play the villain pretty much in every LARP game I go to. I mean, it's, it's like heroin for me. Whatever the game is, I'm probably looking for the angle where I can be unmutual and cause problems to other people in in all the ways we've just discussed people have said to me before now yeah well that's not normal you know not most larpers aren't like that and i guess there's an interesting question how much of that of what we're talking about comes down to what the player gets a buzz from yeah and how much is something everyone can enjoy i entirely agree i think it is something it's not for everyone just as playing an auditor or a secretary isn't for everyone. Some people are going to love doing that at Empire or any art, and some people aren't. I do think playing a, a villain kind of character isn't for everyone. We've, we've got people even in our group who openly admit they do struggle with it a little bit, but they, you know, they 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 try and get it in as much as they can. Yeah. But again, it goes back to what we see. You know, if everyone's doing it, it's boring. Yes. Just as much as if everyone's playing the Shining Knight Paladin, what a dull game that is. If everyone's playing the secretary, that's real life work. 
you you need to have that balancing and I, you need to have that confidence to go in and say i'm going to do something that's difficult and people aren't going to like me in character for it i don't mind that and i think that can be a bit of a struggle sometimes because you kind of want to be liked at a game you don't want to go to a game and have no one like you yeah and as long as that that is in character dislike and not out of character you know that's it's fine it's fun it's, it's enjoyable for me anyway and I, I think for some people like you know like yourself yeah i think you've totally hit the nail on the head there that we as a species are social creatures and ultimately a lot of our interactions are driven by a desire to make people like us because fundamentally if nobody likes you you're not going to get fed when the woolly mammoth steak comes home we are just evolutionarily designed to have a a kind of urge underneath that's going oh let's you know let's do things that make people like us the thing that counters that in real life is this will not make people like me, but is absolutely in my interest. So people steal or they take or they cheat or they drive their own agenda because they're willing to risk disapproval to get something out of it. And that that is the conflict I think is inherent in all human beings, which is yeah. why I was not I was uh, angry at the expenses scandal, but not in the least bit surprised because that's exactly what I would expect to happen in those situations. But I think, the problem in live role-playing is that the th- thing you are getting is fake. Whatever uh, agenda that Ansel promotes is ultimately imaginary, whereas the risk is that people will disapprove of you out of character, and that is then real. And so I think you have to have a, a, a bit of experience helps, and I think you've got to have a lot of confidence to be able to risk that disapproval and to be able to really know that when you're having, when you're experiencing the IC disapproval, and boy, I've, I'm, I'm sure you can attest, Ansel will have had plenty of IC disapproval over the years from people that they've interacted with. You've got to have that confidence when that's happening, that that is as imaginary as the benefits are and that actually yeah, yeah. people are you know, pretty comfortable with what you've done. Yeah, I, I think so. And I think, again, it goes back to trying to keep the kind of story first. You know, is this going to be a good story? Is is Are people going to speak about what happened? You know, if it was written in a book, would you want to read it? Yeah. I, I think that's kind of try and keep that consciously towards the front and then you don't tend to get that bleed of people thinking you're just being an ass for the sake of it because they understand that it's all in character and it's it's like that and you are that kind of out of character bleed stuff so that's really good i think you'd be right there but there's also something you know even if you're not playing the villain that's the counterpoint to everybody else if we want those characters in our game we've got to absolutely separate the in character and the out of character and we've got to remember that we're in character outraged by these people kind of key moment for me when i was live role playing very early on i started live role playing in a big fest system and i played a very heroic character not a very heroic i played an ambivalent character in a heroic way because that's what everyone else around me was doing so i start making peace and i discovered that that wasn't very challenging everybody fundamentally wants peace and, and between the players so it wasn't that difficult to get so i thought okay i'll swim in the other direction and I did terrible, terrible, terrible things because they were in the interests of me and my country and what have you. And I stabbed some characters in the back so horrifically, really, really terrible. And they they responded to that amazingly well at the next game. And at the end of that game, they murdered me. They They assassinated my character. They dragged them off the battlefield and murdered them. And it took 10 minutes for my character to die while I'm unconscious and I'm bleeding out. 
And for 10 minutes, that group of players were apologizing for killing my character, going on and on about what an amazing event they'd had, and, and just thanking me for the terrible, terrible things I'd done to them in character. <laughs> yep, I've had that as well. <laughs> thanks thanks for being horrible to me. It really made my game, that, which is an odd thing. But yeah, I do get that sometimes. I think as well, actually, I think you caught on something really good there. It's a challenge to play against the, the the grain kind of thing it makes i think it actually makes the your time more challenging you know you're playing the game yeah. on a harder setting uh so to speak and i, I think that's a really core cool thing if you, if you do want to play a slightly harder setting doesn't make it more right or more enjoyable for everyone then then i think yeah swim against the stream yeah totally but i think it's on all of us to remember that to thank people who do that because i think that you know i certainly i'm very clear they're making the game better for everyone and, and it made a big difference to me. I think if I hadn't had that reaction the first time I tried that stunt, you know, I might not have been so confident about playing those roles now. Also, you know, it also gives you that confidence of what you're doing is enjoyable for people. You know, yes. if people were saying, oh, I didn't really enjoy what you did that. I didn't really enjoy that. You might go, oh, maybe I'm just doing it wrong. If people are enjoying it and actively thanking you for making the game better, then great. You know, I've had a good time and I feel better because someone else has as well. Yeah, totally. Fantastic. Well, I think we'll probably wrap it there. That's been really great. Absolute pleasure. Thanks to my guest, Pell Piercy, and thanks to everyone who listened and made it this far. I hope you found it interesting. We'll have another one of these up soon. In the meantime, you're welcome to comment on our Facebook pages or on our forums, or just email me, like we used to do in the olden days, when the internet was just a twinkle in Alexander Bell's eye.